welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. It's Wednesday, November the 1st, 2023, and Dr. Rick and I are coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, today uh, we are going to be able to hear from Sandra Flack, uh, who founded Justice for Orphans, a nonprofit ministry dedicated to rallying the church for the cause of orphans and foster children. Sandra is no stranger to adoption, as much experience caring for children with traumatic histories as you will hear today. Uh, Sandra also is a, a mom of eight children, five through adoption, one kinship and four international. Her two youngest were diagnosed with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder with over 30 years of parenting experience and 20 plus years as an adoptive parent. She has made many mistakes and learned lots of lessons. And we're so grateful that you get to hear from her today as she tells you a lot more about what they have learned. She started uh, Orphans No More 10 years ago, a weekly program on local Christian radio. And when the station switched to an all music format in 2018, she moved it to a podcast platform. And she has now a weekly episode of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey podcast, where she continues to encourage, educate, equip, foster, adoptive parents through guest interviews and inspirational content. Before we get to hear from Sandra and the venerable Dr. Rick, I want to remind you that Lifeline understands the challenges that face families like Sandra's who love children from hard places. We commit to walking beside them for a lifetime through resources such as counseling, parent coaching, assistance with tutoring and educational plans and more. When you give to Lifeline, you change the lives of families and children every day. You can help even more families heal from trauma now by taking advantage of our matching gift. Every donation you make today will be doubled. See our show notes for more details. Or as always, you can visit lifelinechild.org backslash change dash one dash life. Again, that's lifelinechild.org backslash change dash one dash life. We are so delighted to be joined today on the Defender Podcast by Sandra Flash, and uh, she is the wife of Wayne and also a mom of eight children, five of which entered their home through adoption, uh, one through kinship and four through intercountry adoption. Uh, Sandra and Wayne's youngest children were diagnosed with uh, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. And Sandra brings today over 30 years of parenting experience and 20 years of adoptive parenting experience. And so we're grateful to be able to hear from her and to hear from the, the journey that she and Wayne have been on, as well as just some understanding and some wisdom on the road to parenting children with trauma histories and children who come from hard places. In 2010, uh, Sandra and Wayne became burdened by the orphan and foster child. And then in 2011, she founded the Justice for Orphans, a nonprofit ministry dedicated to rallying the church for the cause of orphans and foster children. 10 years ago, she began hosting the Orphans No More, uh, a weekly program on local Christian radio. And then in 2018, she moved the show to uh, the podcast platform where it still exists today, the adoption 
Adoption and Foster Care Journey podcast, which continues to encourage, equip, and educate foster and adoptive parents through guest interviews and inspirational content. Sandra's passionate about encouraging and equipping foster and adoptive moms through her podcasts, writing, speaking engagement, and teaching opportunities. She's also a certified facilitator of the FASCETS Neuro Behavioral Model, and she leads online and in-person FASD workshops. She also co-leads the Hope for the FASD Journey uh, virtual support community uh, and the FASD Hope podcast. She has a book, Orphans No More, A Journey Back to the Father, and it's a memoir of her family story and her understanding of spiritual adoption through the lens of an adoptive parent. Sandra and Wayne make their home in upstate New York, and we are so grateful to have Sandra join us here on the Defender Podcast. And Dr. Rick, I know you have known Sandra, and uh, you guys have, have connected several times as well, but but what a, what a wealth of resource we have here with Sandra to be able just to discuss uh, raising children from hard places here on the Defender Podcast. Well, first of all, Herbie, I can just tell you after listening to Sandra's bio, I'm tired. So there's so many things that um, the Lord has a- allowed her to be a part of and accomplish and start and participate in. And, and it's just it's fun to to see all of those things. I think when I when I look at Sandra and Wayne's journey and I read, you know, the story that um, that, that she gave us in her book, um, th- there's so many times that I just find myself saying yes because it's it's like our experience the story of adopting in ukraine and the stories of you know of adopting a child with uh you know on the fetal alcohol spectrum and all those things are are you know part of our story as well and and so it's it's like um you know it's like it's the story of a kindred spirit and um and and then to see what that has um has motivated in you know just really leaning in and advocating and and creating space for um a conversation and to lead the church into to responding to the needs of of orphan and vulnerable children and so Sandra we're really glad you're with us and and thanks thanks for joining us today it's an honor to be here well um you know i think maybe as we get started today um you and Wayne really have an awesome set of stories in in adoption and kind of the way that adoption became um you know real to your family but then also how that you know has launched you into so many other things and so maybe just the place to start is just to give folks kind of the reader's digest version of of your family and who all who all of you are and and maybe how you became a family yeah, I'd love to. So you said I'm married to Wayne. We just celebrated 36 years uh, of marriage and we had th- three biological children and no aspirations to become foster parents or adoptive parents uh, until one day the Lord presented us with a little girl who was a relative who needed a family. Her mom had passed away from cancer, no dad in the picture. She'd been being raised by um, a mentally ill grandmother. And we were trying to help both of them, you know, as Christians, right? The orphan and the widow, we were, we were just trying to support and help them. And the more we got involved in their lives, the more we recognized this little girl is in a very, very bad situation. Very long story short, it is the full story is in my book, but, um, the Lord put her in our family. We welcomed her in. She was eight years old. 
Uh, we had zero training on trauma. We had no understanding of, of fetal alcohol spectrum disorders, nor would we ever have thought we would have needed to know that. Her, her mom was not an alcoholic. She was a professional, had a career, all of that. Um, so we had some really hard years of parenting her. To us, it looked like a lot of rebellion and, and uh, disobedience and defiance, and we sort of slogged through. And then um, in, in about 2005, we began to feel, since the Lord was leading us to an international adoption, uh, and our church at the time was very well connected with some missionaries in Ukraine, lots of missions trips over there. And our, and our the senior pastor and his wife had adopted several children from Ukraine. So we just uh, really felt drawn that that's what we were supposed to do. Uh, so we did. We, we adopted a sibling set of four. Uh, and actually, the first three came home from Ukraine. And we found out right before we left the country to come home that there was a fourth sibling. Didn't know, uh, didn't know about him initially. He was not yet available for adoption, so we couldn't have taken him if we wanted to. So we sort of left there, with like, okay, Lord, what are you gonna do with that? You know. Um, and we came home with the three. They were nine, seven, and three years old at the time. And by that time, I had read a little bit about attachment. I had read a tiny bit about fetal alcohol syndrome because I had heard that that's common in countries from Eastern Europe. So, but I thought that's not going to that's not going to us. And really, the three kids clicked into our family, and there were aside from the craziness of trying to figure out the language and doctor's appointments and cooking a lot of food to feed everybody. Because by then we had seven kids. Um, once we once they came home, there wasn't really a whole lot of behavioral stuff that we were that we were dealing with, or at least we didn't yet recognize. Um, so we were kind of chugging along pretty smoothly. And then we were able to go back to Ukraine to adopt that fourth sibling. And that was 2010. But by then, that little guy was five, and he'd spent all five of his years in an orphanage. And the second we met him, we knew we had no skills to parent this child. And clearly, that FAS fetal alcohol syndrome was going to be part of this story, as well as a lot of the, the trauma from being in an orphanage. So we came home with him and that began our journey with beginning to learn about, you know, connected parenting and, and uh, becoming trauma competent and, and learning about FASD. Well, I know, Sandra, not only do you talk about, you know, um, just your journey of adoption in the book, but you also talk a good bit just about how adoption changed your heart as well. And just experiencing a lot of these experiences, walking through these experiences, uh, it, it changed and rearranged even the direction of your life. Can you talk a little bit about some of those experiences and, and how they really were cataclysmic to, to changing your life? Yeah. So of course, through that whole experience being in orphanages and, and just in this space, my heart began to just break for vulnerable children and started recognizing the need in, in, in the faith community for good, loving, safe, 
foster and adoptive families. And people would begin to ask, uh, ask us all the time about our family, tell us your story. Just it began to open doors and people wanted to hear about hear about that. And we even went to uh, I went to our first uh, Christian Alliance for Orphans Summit came home from that feeling like we need to start having conferences and connecting with churches. And and that's really how our nonprofit started, Justice for Orphans, because we began that advocacy journey. We started out mainly as advocacy, trying to rally the church, having conferences, all of that kind of thing. Um, The opportunity with the radio show started and we were talking about it every week on Christian radio. uh, And over time, realized that we wanted to do more than just advocate. We really wanted to begin to meet needs and have a a, a boots on the ground impact in our own community. Uh, and in 2018, we found out about Care Portal, and we uh, our nonprofit uh, became implementers with Care Portal. And we've so far, um, in just like four years, served about we're almost at 4,000 children in our local area that we have served through the care portal and effectively really keeping many of them out of foster care by stabilizing biological families and um, helping with kinship placements and helping even foster families. So that's been incredible. And it's just really became our, our life's work, our passion, our mission. And then along that journey, learning as, as our, as our FASD journey unfolded, um, beginning to recognize first at home uh, the, the need for more resources and support for children and families affected by fetal alcohol spectrum disorders, knowing that so many other families are affected by that and, and there needs to be supports and resources for them. And then that that we added that work to our nonprofit work and, and I became a facilitator of the FACETS neurobehavioral model. I teach, uh, train, speak on that topic uh, regularly because it's just as I firmly believe just as much as every foster and adoptive parent needs to be trauma equipped and informed. Uh, they also need to have that FASD equipping um, because most most families are dealing with it and they don't even know. Yeah, Sandra, I'd love to press in into that in particular a little bit because I because I do think that's a that's a, a prevalent issue that is you know, probably not talked about as as much as it needs to be. And, and um, you know, in your book, you kind of talk through the journey of how, you know, how you and Wayne figured that out. And you talk about your, you know, the last little guy that came into your family and how it was obvious that there was something. But um, but what was kind of a mystery and and that's unfolded and you've come to understand it in a, you know, in a in a much more full way. And so maybe could talk, a, just explain a little bit about um, what fetal alcohol spectrum disorder is and and then, um, you know, challenges that families face as a result of, um, you know, of parenting a child that's on that on the spectrum. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, FASD is a, a lifelong um, brain based developmental disorder that affects the brains and bodies of individuals prenatally exposed to alcohol. Um, it's 100% preventable, of course, but in this population of children, especially in the child welfare system, in adoptive and foster placements, group homes, kinship placements, um, it's I've seen studies that have indicated it's, it's as high as 86% of those children are in the system. 
most of them, many of them are not diagnosed. Um, and it's, it's nationally, it's one in 20 school age children in the United States. And that's not the population of just children in child welfare. It's one in 20. Um, but again, undiagnosed, most of the time undiagnosed. Uh, and, and we, we suspected it because we had heard a little bit about it and how it related to kids from Eastern Europe. I had no idea at the time that this was rampant even in the United States, but it is. Um, and we got a diagnosis back when our boys were six and eight, uh, through a developmental pediatrician, but it was, here's your diagnosis, maybe focus on life skills, have a nice day. There were no resources, no supports, nothing. And then I do what, you know, we all do when we want to know about something, right? You Google it. And then I got, this was several years ago. It was, it was scary. The stuff that I learned that I was reading and I just shut the computer and thought that's not going to happen to us, right? That's not going to be our story. And we did pretty well navigating those parenting years using, you know, we, 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 my husband and I became empowered to connect parent trainers. So we were using what we had learned through the connected child and TBRI and that was working. And I'm a firm believer in that, but then they became teenagers and it was a parent. The train was going off the tracks. What's going on. We have attachment, you know, things seemed like they were okay, but there's clearly something we're missing. And it, things began to to just become very difficult. And I suspected maybe it's this one thing we didn't really know enough about that we should know about. So by that time, uh, I took a deep dive into FASD and there were many more resources. There were podcasts, there was training. That's how I found out about facets. Um, and then I became a facilitator because the more I learned, the more I learned, I realized almost every adoptive and foster parent is is dealing with this right there's big behaviors we're trying to fix these behaviors we're not understanding why our kids won't you know it seems like rebellion it seems like opposition it seems like defiance and they're being difficult but it could very well be a brain-based condition uh, and none of those ta tactics that we learn for behavior modification disciplining and correcting is gonna, it's not gonna work because their alcohol affects the structure and the function of the developing brain. So we're not gonna see the same results because it's it's not based on that. It's based on really um, not a brain injury, but the, but the impact of alcohol on the brain. It does more damage than drugs and it's longer lasting damage. They don't outgrow it. Um, and a lot of times we don't know that, that there was alcohol exposure. I've talked to parents who had well, well my child was in was was exposed to drugs but we don't know about alcohol and I've come to realize that typically if if someone's using drugs they're using alcohol at the same time because alcohol is legal and it's easily accessible but nobody's asking birth moms about alcohol they just ask about drugs but the alcohol does more damage because it alters and kills brain cells so the more I learned, the more I became very passionate that every adoptive and foster and kinship caregiver absolutely must know about this because it's most likely something that they're dealing with and they don't even know. 
So Sandra, through the the nonprofit that you founded, um, Justice for Orphans, and and the work that you do, you offer some training options and some yes. some ways for people to um, to gain you know more understanding and expertise in uh, caring for kids with FASD. Um, give us a how can we how can folks that are listening to the podcast uh, find you and find that. Uh, those courses and and kind of delve into some more resources that are available through your ministry. Yeah, thank thank you for asking. So if you go to our website, which is justicefororphansny.org, uh, we have a whole list of available training uh, that are uh, available online. I, I every month I do a free one hour. Sometimes it's a lunch and learn if it's during the day. Sometimes we call it an intro to FASD, but I do those once a month. It's an hour long introduction. Um, they're free. I do. And then I can also offer anything from a three hour to an 18 hour course um, focused on FASD. And it's for parents, caregivers, even professionals here in New York. We do offer CEUs for social workers um, and we do them online, but I'm also available in person. I travel. Um, so oftentimes I am speaking in person and, and leading, leading, leading trainings in persons for organizations and groups. Um, so I'm happy to do that because that it's, it's vital for parents and caregivers, especially, but also professionals. You know, Sandra, you've had the opportunity through spoken word, through, you know, therapy and through other methods to just really encourage parents and especially moms. And I know, and I know Dr. Rick knows that moms tend to get discouraged, especially when things don't go the way they think they're going. Can you just give some encouragement to moms and dads that might be listening today who feel like they're in the middle of a journey and they don't know where to go. They don't know where to turn and they feel hopeless and helpless. What, what's some practical advice that you would give to that, that mom or dad, maybe even it's for the first time gotten a diagnosis of their child and they don't know where to turn and they feel hopeless. Yeah. So first of all, you know, be in the word, be in prayer. Um, that's vital to the journey for no matter what, what part, what journey you're on. Um, but also find your community. And that was one of the things that we realized is it's very isolating because unless you're a parent on the FASD journey, you're it's it, other parents do not understand the unique challenges that we face, you know, because they they'll see things and they'll just say, well, they just need more discipline or clearly you're too lax. It, it's similar to what parents who are caring for children with trauma, right? There's those behaviors. And if unless you're an adoptive and foster parent, you don't get that. And I find that FASD is another whole level of of that kind of unless you're on the journey, you don't really get it. Um, so find your people. Uh, there are some great podcasts. Um, you know, I, I, I host the Adoption and Foster Care Journey podcast. We talk about FASD probably 90 percent of the time. Um Natalie Vecchione hosts the hope for the FASE hope. Sorry. Uh, but there are some other good ones out there. If you just search for, for podcasts about FASD, uh, we have a support group that Natalie and I actually co-lead together. It's an online support group um, for parents and caregivers with kids with FASD, whether you have a diagnosis or not, if you just suspect it, um, because you, you have to find your people because it's, it's hard to get a diagnosis um, even doctors are very reluctant to diagnose. So, it, so you may very well know that your child has it and can't even get a diagnosis. It's a very frustrating place to be. 
supports and services are very difficult to access. Um, I live in the state of New York and FASD is not recognized. My voice has fetal alcohol syndrome. FASD is an umbrella for the spectrum of disorders, FAS being one of them. It's not recognized as a developmental disability in my state. So one of my boys, you know, based on his IQ, was able to get services. The other one, not because he just didn't qualify in that area because this is in my state and in most states not recognized as a developmental disability. And we're fighting to try to change that. But you need to have your people um, reach out, you know, find, find, find your community. There are FASD groups on Facebook. Uh, those podcasts are great. Reach out to me. I can connect you. FASD United is the national organization at FASDunited.org that can also connect you in your state um, with those who are on similar journeys. But don't stay isolated because you're not going to make it alone. We need each other. Yeah, that's that's a great word, Sandra. I think um, and and that's that's true no matter what I think the challenge or the disability is. Finding a community of people yes. that that understand that can identify is is vital. And uh, and I think you know one of the things we've said a lot on on our podcast here and and to our families that we interact with at Lifeline is um, also encouraging our churches to get involved in hosting and and facilitating these kinds of things that part of the part of the responsibility that we have to care for orphan and vulnerable children is to care for the families that are caring for orphan and vulnerable children and when when you find these you know kind of prevalent issues and and things that are uh that are common to a lot of families helping to create community support and and it's a great way for churches to even have outreach into the community to people that are yeah. you know outside of outside of the body of Christ because they have that you know there there are a lot of families out there that have that need as you know as well and and so thank you for um you know for all of that and I and I do and I want to say I hope folks will I hope so folks will reach out and I hope they'll you know they'll go to your website and listen to your podcast and and engage the training and the things that you're doing because it's all great stuff and incredibly helpful for those of us that are you know, that are walking the road of, of parenting kids, uh, on, you know, with fetal alcohol syndrome, um, you know, spectrum disorder. Now, I guess they say it's, uh, yeah, we were, we were one of those families that just got handed the developmental pediatrician, uh, diagnosis as well. And it's been, it's been quite a journey, but, you know, one of the other things that you talk about in orphans no more is, is really you unpack, um, the, you know, the idea of the orphan spirit and, you know, and, and so I'd, it'd be great if just maybe to close today to talk, a, just get you to kind of delve into that a little bit about, you know, what is what is the orphan spirit? How does that kind of reside in all of us to some degree? And and maybe what did God teach you through the adoption process about redeeming the orphan spirit and how the gospel works to do that? Yeah, no, thanks for asking. So I had never heard of the orphan spirit before. And then on this journey, our, all of our kids came home and just spending time in, in the word and spending time with the Lord. And I began to recognize these sort of characteristics of the orphan because I saw them in my own ch adopted children. But then I started recognizing them in myself. 
you know, and I, I can look back at my own history. My parents divorced when I was five and my biological father left and went to another state and essentially never came back. So there was some abandonment, right? And, and rejection. And these weren't things I could even identify until after I was an adoptive parent that I, that, that could I see it this way? But I, and I started recognizing that, that abandonment, rejection, you know, shame, fear, um, wanting to be in control because we lack that control, insecurity, um, that self-protection, right? That we have to take care of ourselves and we can't rely on anybody else and we don't trust anybody else. A lot of those same characteristics in, in abandoned and uh, orphaned children and traumatized children I began to see it in myself and even in other people around me, right? And and then not recognizing my identity, right? Because I began to, as you read through the scriptures, I began to recognize, well, but I am a child. This is what the word says, right? I'm a child of God. I am dearly loved. I am created in his image. I am wanted and valued. I'm I'm God's masterpiece. Um, I'm not to have a spirit of fear or of shame. Right. So it didn't the, the word of God paints a completely different picture of this orphan spirit. It's the, the opposite of that. And and to recognize who we are in Christ and take on that identity as a child of God over being an orphan. Right. But a lot of times, even as believers, we can function very much with that orphan mindset. And not really, and that's where the enemy, I believe, wants to keep us not really recognizing who we are in Christ and that we are dearly loved children and we are joint heirs with Christ, right? And we have an inheritance and we have a future and we have a new name. We have a kingdom purpose assigned to us by him. And so it's a matter of going through the word of God and choosing to believe what God says about us as opposed to what the enemy would have us believe about ourselves um, because that's the biggest threat, right? To the, to the, to the kingdom of darkness is if each one of us recognizes our identity in Christ and who we are as children of God and walk in that. And, and I began to write that. That was a big part of my book that I felt like this is, this is a part of this um, that the Lord was showing me. Well, Sandra, that's beautiful to see all the things that, that the Lord has taught you and, and use these experiences of you and Wayne being faithful to follow him in adopting first this, this little girl uh, through a kinship adoption, and then the Lord leading you across to the other side of the world, to Ukraine, and yet seeing how he has continued to teach you. And I'm so grateful for you and that you didn't just learn and walk these experiences on your own, but you're sharing these experiences to equip, to encourage, and to, to help others. And we know that that is the gift, right, that we have of the Holy Spirit, is that he gives us experiences not to be lived out individually, but to be lived out collectively with the body of Christ, to help others, to be able to spread the good news of gospel hope, that even when things are dark, even when things are hard, that we have a light 
that is the gospel of Christ Jesus. And so thank you for sharing. Thank you for who you are and for the way that you use your gifts and your abilities and for joining us here on the Defender Podcast. And for all of you that are listening, we hope that you've been encouraged. We hope that you've been equipped. And we hope that for those of you who have maybe been through this journey, like Sandra and Dr. Rick, and on the other side of this journey, that you will be encouraged as well to help others, to encourage others, to disciple others, and to ultimately equip others on this journey ahead as you defend the fatherless. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.